2: Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. All right, and thanks for joining us again on
1: Winning Ponies. Hope to have a great show here today. I've got some very talented guests. Um, our first guest will be Bob Ehalt. Uh, you may have uh, read him. He's got an NTA a uh, blog. Uh, He also, uh, just this year, got an honorable mention uh, in the Eclipse Awards in the social media category. He's uh, had first place honors in the Breeders' Cup Media Awards. He's a New York-based kind of guy, and there's a lot going on in the New York area right now, if you've been reading uh, about Aqueduct, not only the casino, about what's happening on the track. And then after that, we're going to have the one, the only, The court jester, Mark Klein. Now, Mark Klein is a comedian out of Louisville, Kentucky, but he's not just joking when it comes to horses because he's also an avid thoroughbred fan, handicapper, and horse owner. The only guy I know that can do an entire skit live using just information about horse racing. So, up later again, Bobby Halt and Mark Klein. Stay tuned. I think you're going to enjoy it. Late breaking news today, kind of sitting there watching the different uh, Twitter tickers, and all of a sudden it pops up saying, rumors, Hansen not going to Wood, going to Bluegrass instead. And steadily throughout the day, more and more news poured in, and uh, it, it looks pretty much like a done deal. Um, you know, Dr. Kendall Hansen actually quoted saying, I didn't want to confirm it until next week because I didn't want to steal any spotlight from the spiral this weekend, but it is probable we're going to run Hansen in the bluegrass rather than the wood. Well, uh, Kieran McLaughlin obviously was watching the tweets because uh, they put the brakes on the plans of the van uh, that was going to head down to uh, New Orleans uh, to run down there. In the Louisiana Derby and turned around, and it looks like Alpha now is going to go into the woods. So it'll be very uh, in- interesting. Uh, that field is got a very solid field. There's a lot of horses that that could jump up, but right now it looks like hansen will be running in the Bluegrass. Uh, Keeneland already sent out a press release from there uh, stating that it was his intention to run there. Uh, I guess the the idea is now that he is settled in Kentucky. Why bring him all the way back to New York? This way he can sleep in his own stall. Uh, you know, Kendall Hansen, of course, loves the atmosphere at Keeneland. And uh, the bluegrass, like, it's not a million dollars, but it's $750,000. That ain't chump change. Certainly Hansen shouldn't have any problem with graded earnings. But again, he's in the neighborhood. Mike Maker knows the track, so it looks like Hansen to the bluegrass, Alpha to the wood. Now this also, opens up information for a guest we had on the show last week, Ramon Dominguez. Uh, Ramon Dominguez, as you probably know from over the weekend, uh, won easily down in New Orleans, aboard Horse of the Year, Arve de Grace. Well, the following day, he uh, came off a horse at Aqueduct, and separated his collarbone. Uh, the thing is, it's it slightly displaced. They say there's nothing you can do about it but let it heal. So he's probably going to be off for about two weeks, but he felt and, and gave indications that he would be able to be back in time for the wood. Well, the information we have now is that with Alpha coming back, he'll probably now pick up the mount on Alpha, and this way for the Hansen camp, he's going to be in better shape to ride Hanson. Again, whether or not that was part of the strategy of Mike Maker by moving back a week and going into the bluegrass, I don't know. But uh, we all wish Ramon a speedy recovery. Uh, If you didn't hear him on the show last week, please go to the Winning Ponies podcast. Uh, What a class act. He, he, he He was really fantastic. And we wish him nothing but the best to get back. But he's trying to say that it's really a... Not too much uh, of a big deal, and I know that Kieran McLaughlin's very happy to to get him back. Speaking of Kieran McLaughlin, uh, he uh, certainly is uh, a happy man this week. He earned his 1,000th North American career victory on Friday uh, at the allowance feature at Aqueduct. Uh, As you may or may not know, he was a former assistant to D. Wayne Lucas and something I didn't know is he was a jockey agent for Chris Antley. Uh, he began training horses in Dubai in 93 for the Mock Tombs. Uh, he spent part of the year in Dubai and part of the year in New York. He's a three-time leading trainer in Dubai, where he estimates he won between 300 and 400 races that are not counted in this 1,000 race total. Pretty impressive. Uh, he's, he's trained horses that have won over 185 stakes. And, of course, uh, Invazur, the 2006 Horse of the Year, uh, was trained by him. Uh, he also uh, won the Belmont in 2005 and uh, just got beat by Giacomo in the Kentucky Derby. So it'll be a very interesting couple of weeks for Kieran McLaughlin, uh, tip of the cap to him. Now, Alpha's going to meet an interesting horse in the wood in Gemologist. This is the horse that I was very high on. Had did not return in a stake, been waiting to see him come back. But he did come back in an allowance race at Gulfstream Park. And in that race was the hopeful stakes winner, currency swap. Well uh Gemologist kept his record unblemished. Uh it was a very convincing uh seven length romp uh, over currency swap. Uh it was just a one sided victory and uh this Windstar trainee looks like he is headed to New York. Uh, according to Todd Pletcher, who has him, that uh, he said, eh, I worked out pretty well for a comeback. I thought he ran super. To run a mile in 135 and 4 over this track is excellent, and he galloped out extremely well. Now, what Gemologist still needs is to get some more graded stakes earnings to make the Derby field. Uh, he currently sits about 25th on the list with just over $100,000, and uh, certainly if he should hit the board in the wood, That should put him in pretty good shape. Uh, Some familiarities with the Windstar Color Baroner. He uh, is going to follow the footsteps of Super Saver, who won the uh, Kentucky Derby in 2009. Uh, Super Saver only had two preps at three before the Derby, and I do believe he won the Kentucky Jockey Club at Churchill Downs as a two-year-old, so we'll see if history repeats itself. Now, news from the world of uh, jockeys. Uh, it looks like there could be some history made in the following week, and that would be by none other than the personable and attractive Chantel Sutherland. Uh, at just breaking from the starting gate will make her the first woman to ride in the world's richest race. And uh, should she win it and Game On Dude's Speed, uh, could be an asset over the Maidan race course. Uh, she'll achieve something that women in the Middle East or most anywhere else couldn't. Even dreamed about a few years ago. Of course, um, Bob Baffert trains. He has a lot of confidence in her. She has won both of the Geldings Grade One victories. Uh, she was in the saddle. So uh, Baffert too. He's uh, no stranger. He's already won two World Cups. 1998, it was Silver Charm, and 2001. Captain Steve, I can tell you, Chantel Sutherland, she's going to represent America well. I got to uh, got to meet her down at Keenan last season when she came in and won a stake, and she's just vibrant. The fans love her, and she's great with the fans. Probably took her twenty minutes to get back to the jocks room. Uh, she was stopping and posing, putting her helmet on on fans, and uh, posing for pictures with the kids. It was uh, quite a thing to see. Uh, she's quite an ambassador. Racing, So I wish her nothing but the best with Game On Dude. And while uh, Chantel is not in Dubai yet, the American-based horses are. uh, They're in there. The $27 million Dubai Cup uh, will have uh, last year's champion Royal Delta. And uh, the multiple grade one winner, Game On Dude, uh, they've landed safely in Dubai and are in good health. Also on the American team is multiple grade one winner, The Factor. Uh, who's going to try to go in the Golden Shaheen? That's the sprint over 1,200 meters. That's about six furlongs. Um, okay. Looks like good news on the jockey front with Garrett Gomez. Uh, as you know, he tried to make a comeback last week. Uh, that didn't work out too well, and, uh, he was just in too much pain. I, shortly before we came on the air here tonight, I checked to, uh, see, uh, the Santa Anita. Results and so far today, he's had a second and a third. So obviously he's he, he's back in the saddle. Uh, could be good timing with all the Derby mounts out there. Now he lost his uh, main Derby contender, Out of Bounds, uh, who suffered a fracture to his left cannon bone in a workout March fifth, getting ready for the San Felipe. Good news is Out of Bounds is sent to uh, Darley in Kentucky, and he is expected to race again with uh, some other uh, Derby hopeful news. Creative Cause who won the San Felipe, worked five furlongs in 59-4 and, 59 and four on Tuesday. He equaled the best of 29 at the distance. Also uh, expected to see him in the Santa Anita Derby will be Baffert trainee liaison. He worked five furlongs in 101-3. and 101 and, three. and final jockey news, uh, Paco Lopez is going to miss up to two months after suffering a broken collarbone and six fractured ribs in a spill at Gulfstream Park. Lopez, as you may recall, was the third leading rider this year and leading jockey last year. Uh, Looks like both of the horses involved in the incident came out okay. All right, we talked a little bit about uh, Arvada Grace in the New Orleans comeback. She was totally awesome. If you haven't seen the the video, uh, of, of course, Ramon Dominguez did get to have one good thing happen this weekend. Uh, basically, it was relegated to a public workout. Uh, she just let the leaders go on. When it was time to move, she absolutely blew by them. Uh, last year's champion, uh, two-year-old uh, My Miss Oriella, is, is back in training. Uh, that's good to hear. She had a little hitch in her get-along after the Breeders' Cup, but uh, she is definitely back. And As we stated earlier, the factor, who uh, Bob Baffert has is training well and going to Dubai. Now, another horse we talked about uh, a couple weeks ago was that Baffert decided drill was going to be his new factor. He was going to be a sprinter, and he's going to keep him to, to one-turn races, right, put him in every stakes race that was a one-turn race in America. Well... I guess he had a change of mind. He might have another change of mind when he finds out Hanson's going to the bluegrass. Uh, he's going to stretch out for Keeneland's bluegrass, it looks like. So, so much uh, for the new factor. It looks like, uh, Baffert is pointing drill. I think part of it is that uh, his best race ever was on poly track. And of course, that is the, uh, the, the surface down there at Keeneland. Let's take a quick look now at, uh, the races that we handicapped last week. Of course, uh, a race with Derby implications was the Rebel and uh, Secret Circle, the Killer Bees, Bayerano and Bob Baffert. Even money won the race, did drift out again. I'm not sure what that's all about, but uh, nonetheless, uh, this uh, son of Eddington got the job done with Bayerano in the saddle. Probably the biggest eye popper in the race was the rally from. 25 to one shot optimizer now optimizer is a D. Wayne lucas trainee you know he knows how to get horses ready for the big one he put in a huge late run six wide and may be a now horse uh, on the uh, on the derby scene but nonetheless circuit, secret circle got the job done there the inside information was run at gulfstream park a seven furlong race and it's not often that you can cash eleven dollars and twenty cents On a horse who won the Breeders' Cup Sprint, but that's what happened. Musical Romance, just a beautiful ride. Uh, Went inside, saved ground on the rail, and then just split them late. Musical Romance uh, gets up, and uh, uh, a huge win for trainer Bill Kaplan Uh, in that race. Groupie Doll turned out to be the slight favorite, three to one. Uh, Second in the race was Hot Summer. So congratulations and a return of musical romance. And uh let's see, we also handicapped the, the Azari, a race with a short field that we said was just absolutely loaded in there. Uh the favorite, slight odds on, was Absent the mind. Absent minded, excuse me. Easy for me to say. Uh and Joyful Victory was right behind at eight to five. But the upset winner in this very short field at eight to one was Tiz. Ms. Sue, a very patient ride by Joe Rocco, got the job done there. Tis, Ms. Sue. And the uh, final race that we handicapped was the Honey Fox. The 3-2 to two favorite in there was the Irish Future Generation, trained by Christophe Clement. But Tappet's Fly, a horse that has a lot of back class, got the job done. You may remember she won the Breeders' Cup Turf Phillies back in '09 before that race was even graded, uh, we were wondering if her best races in the past. But Dale Romans has done a great job. Julian Leperu in the saddle. Well, that's a wrap up of uh, what's happening in racing today and the big races that we handicapped last week. We're going to be back in just a minute or two with Bob E Halt, who's our Big Apple connection here on WinningPonies.com. Don't go away. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports.
0: And they're off!
2: What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com. The home of the Easy Win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you.
0: Tune in to a show about making a comeback and what really goes on behind the scenes with your favorite athletes and beyond. Listen for The Comeback Radio Show with Tony Farmer. A lot of people believe what they read on the Internet, hear and see in the media and on the news. We're going to give our guests the chance to tell the real story without the extra hype. It's not just sports, although that will be a focal point of the program. We'll also look at the world of celebrities, music, modeling and more. Listen every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Sports.
1: Your internet flagship station for sports,
0: Voice America Sports.
1: uh, interesting gentleman. Uh, you can, you can read him on, uh, uh, ESPNNewYork.com and his NTRA, uh, blog. Uh, he's an award-winning writer. Got first place honors in the 2008-2009 Breeders' Cup Media Awards, uh, winning the very initial year of that competition. And last year, just to show it wasn't a fluke, he got the honorable mention for Eclipse Awards balloting in the commentary features, uh, category uh a veteran sports writer, correspondent for the Thoroughbred Times. Uh, the good thing is he, he's a guy that really loves the game, and he's seen it from different sides, uh, is that he's actually been a horse owner. He was part of the syndicate uh, that raced a tail of the cat. So obviously somebody that's enthusiastic about the sport of Thoroughbred Racing and is, like me, blessed to be ap- actively employed in the field. So, Bobby Hald, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing fine, John. Thank you for having me on. Uh, well, uh, if you would, uh, just kind of tell our listeners uh, uh, who you who are and how you got involved in the sport of Kings. Okay. Well, I guess
3: first of my involvement, I uh, basically I'm a New York native. I grew up in Queens and actually Queens Village, which if people are familiar with Belmont Park, that's the town right next to it in Queens. And I grew up about a uh, football field away from one of the track's parking lots. And I uh, will admit that uh, in my early youth, Uh, the track was more of a nuisance than a uh a haven for me, but uh back in seventy one my father decided with Canyon Arrow, said, You know, we could never never gonna be able to walk to a sporting event. Let's go watch the Belmont Stakes that year and we did and uh I had a great time and it's kind of uh sent me down a career of uh of involvement in the sport as a uh as a fan, a handicapper and uh later as I became uh came out of college and went into newspaper writing, uh I was fortunate enough uh in the uh, mid eighties to start writing about horse racing and uh later in life also be be involved in uh, owning horses as you mentioned with cats and now more so just claiming syndicates uh the cat was the one shining moment shall we say that uh certainly will stick with me uh for the rest of my days but uh
1: certainly it's been an enjoyable
3: uh enjoyable run with the sport
1: well you know certainly you you sound enthusiastic about it and uh you obviously lo- located uh, in, a, in a pretty good neighborhood, even though it was a nuisance a- as a kid. Now, uh, right <laughs> we now couldn't, we couldn't play stickball in the streets back then. They used to get thirty thousand a
3: day, and they would park on our block. I mean, it's a far cry from what it is now. But in the uh, 1960s, uh, racing days created quite a uh, quite a bit of uh, action in the uh, streets in Elmont and Queens Village. And uh, you know, as I say, as a nine or ten year old,
1: I was kind of mystified as to what it was. <laughs> well, as a nine or ten year old, I was running bets for my brother up at Saratoga, so I got a hook kinda <laughs> early. But I will say the first Kentucky Derby I ever went to was Cannon Arrow the second. So we've got we've got something uh, in common there. Um yeah, now I know you you write trip. for the New Haven Register now. Um yeah. where where did you go to school and, and how did you get lucky enough to, to get writing into racing?
3: Well, I uh, actually went to Fordham University in the Bronx. Uh and uh, basically got into uh uh, right out of college, I took, you know, I was communications major in college, wrote for the campus newspaper. Uh, I was fortunate enough to get hired at a paper in Norwalk, uh, Connecticut, right out of college. And, uh, after about six years there, I moved over to a uh, slightly bigger paper in Stanford, Connecticut. And, uh, my sports editor there was, uh, a fellow now, uh, you're say John Quinn. He's the, uh, head sports editor at the Philly Inquirer, And John was a big horse racing fan, and he gave me the opportunity in, uh, Beginning, I believe, in 1985, to start covering
1: horse racing, and it's been something uh, I've been doing ever since. Wow, that, that, that's fantastic. Well, um, now you, you've got uh, a lot of things happening in, in your neck of the woods right now. Mm-hmm. Seems like every time yeah, yeah, we a, really a,
3: a lot going on. Not a lot of it that they're proud of, but there is it is quite a quite a buzz going on.
1: Well, there's there's two things I, I want to address. Uh, my general manager Kevin Kaufman from River Downs just last week uh, went into uh, New York to, to to look at the casino at Aqueduct. I understand that more people are visiting that than the Statue of Liberty.
3: Uh, you know, I got to admit, I think that's true. Uh, it, it, it's a lot more accessible. It's easy. It's much more accessible than the Statue of Liberty with the ferry. But uh, it, it's just filled uh, throughout the day. Uh nowadays if you want to go into Aqueduct, uh if you want to go in that main gate at Aqueduct, you sometimes have a line of about thirty or forty cars up front of you trying to get in from people going into the uh into the casino. And uh, they have done a good job of creating walkways so that people can go from the casino into the track. Uh inside the casino there's not much presence of horse racing. Uh either it's not on the TVs or anything like that. There is as of right now, there's no place to bet. Uh, though of course nowadays if you have a cell phone you, you can get around that if you'd like. Uh, but what they do have that's a little different is there are windows that you can look out and, uh, see the racetrack from parts of the, uh, casino and that's something that, uh, as uh, I say, I'm living up here in Connecticut now with the casinos in, uh, we have up in our state, uh, you don't, they don't want you to know what time of day it is up in those places anywhere. Really, you don't have no clue on the outside world. But at the casino and aqueduct, they are, you can watch it. They have some, uh, verandas you can go out on and look and actually watch the watch the races, which, you know, in the better weather, which is coming up now, are going to be a, a nice spot to, to view the track.
1: Well, you know, we always hope that in the Racino world there'll be some kind of, of crossover but i'm sure you've heard it from from others in the industry it seems to be that narry the two do meet
3: uh yeah i think that's the case See we had a good example in new york in the new york area of this through yonkers raceway yonkers uh, Yonkers got their Racino built much faster than the Aqueduct, which kind of took about almost eight years of political uh, haranguing and other problems to get it done. And, and the people at Yonkers pretty much found that the people who came in for the slot machines bet the slot machines. Every now and then the racetrack guys might bet the slot machine, but kind of rare that the slot people got involved with the horses. Now with Naira, it might be a little different because of the, uh, because of setting up those windows where you can actually see what goes on. And if they do put, they're talking about uh finishing a uh, sports bar set up in the um uh, one of the floors where they will have some wagering, and that might help ease it a little bit, but yeah, generally for the most part, the people who who just want to drop quarters into a slot machine they're they're not that keen on uh looking over uh daily racing form buyer figures or rags figures or whatever it else it is to takes you to chart out a horse race.
1: Well, Bob, in the last couple of days, every time I've looked up at the screen at at Aqueduct, um, I'm seeing an amazing number of scratches. Uh, Yesterday, 25% of the entries were scratched, and I didn't do the math today, but I think it was darn close to it. What's going on at Aqueduct right now, if you can tell us?
3: Well, it's a very hard situation uh, to, to to get official comment of. You certainly can pick up what's going on with the scuttlebutt. Uh, Aqueduct had just a horrific uh, meet on the inner track with breakdowns, and not only just fatalities, but horses not, not finishing races. And uh, certainly... It's hard to put a finger on what happened during a three-month or four-month window, but it became pretty apparent to most people that the inflated purses just created a situation where if you have a an older claimer uh, who might be a little bit gimpy, well, there was a claiming frenzy going on with just about anything. So if you had a horse who was a little, even a little gimpy, not that you thought he was going to break down, but you kind of knew, well, time's running out on him. Well, you might run him back. Hoping that somebody's going to claim them, or that you get a purse that's going to pay for the layup that you're going to need with them, and it just I think led to this situation of horses running when they shouldn't have been. That maybe a horse, not that he shouldn't have been running at all, but maybe he needed four or five weeks rest. Well, they were only giving him two, and there was a lot of break. There was there were the breakdowns. The white truck coming out was almost like uh it just uh, part of the scenery. I wrote one thing that it uh, basically the uh, white the horse ambulance became as much of a fixture as the track bugler. and uh <laughs> what did, what I think has happened is that if you leave it to the horsemen there, there, there there's a, there's a very hard business dynamic for them to make a decision uh I have talked to some trainers who said well owners are talking to them about claiming the horse and not even asking about physical appearance they just go get the horse and if he's not good I'll lose him next race uh I think what basically, no one's talking this because at Naira they do not even release how many what horses are put on the vet's list, but I, I do kind of get a feeling that the vets became a little bit more aggressive in looking at a horse that might have been borderline and said, well, no, now we're going to scratch him. Horsemen see this and, when they, and they don't want to get the horse on the vet list, which basically puts them out of action for at least, I think, 15 days. Uh, so I, I think a little bit more prudence is going on now that they're at the uh, main track.
1: An- another and side term, of that coin, and uh, I don't know if you've uh, heard this, is
3: mandated by the track uh, or horsemen pulling their horses out. And it will be interesting to see next week what kind of uh, what the uh, entry box looks like, because well, will horsemen just say, "Okay, well, I'm not going to run now," and, and then what kind of effect is that going to have? So this this is a situation that the, the, it's not like this problem has gone away. Okay, we had two days, uh, the first two days at the under track, there were no breakdowns. Uh, and a very promising start, but now the question will be, uh, what happens trying to fill horses at this to fill nine races, five races at the five five days a week.
1: We, so, you know, someone theorized to me that, I, from what I understand, that, that part of the solution by NIRA was to lower the purses for the lower price claimers. And that could potentially be kind of a backlash, a silent protest uh, by the trainers saying, well, if that's the route you're going to take, you're not going to get our horses in the field.
3: Well, that's what I mean and I think that's what what we're going to see next week. How is how a horseman going to react to a lot of this? Uh, certainly I think most uh, horsemen kind of realize that is it it's it, it, it is a bad situation to have a 7 $7,000 claimer running in a race worth $40,000. Uh you know, you win that first you get $24,000. Uh there's the claiming frenzy uh it, it is good on one level. But on the other, as I say, when you know that you have a horse that's probably going to get claimed if his ankle's a little off, you say, "Well, don't worry, somebody's going to claim him." Right. And uh, right. I think that was that was part of what was feeding a lot of the problem with the breakdowns of horses being pulled up, uh, because you were certainly through the purses you were seeing drop downs in claiming price that you might normally be scared of horses that are running for twenty five thousand all of a sudden are running for seven. And, you know, you kind of see the dynamic. Well, he wins this race, the trainer's gonna get a $24,000 purse. And he's gonna get another seven for the horse, and maybe he gets out with that, where at 25, he's just gonna keep losing, and at some point, uh, the tendon might foul, and then he's gonna be sidelined where you're paying the bills for him for eight, you know, six, eight months.
1: So, well, it'll be yeah, an interesting story uh, to, to to watch it, it, in in the weeks of ha- uh, weeks ahead. Well, listen, I, I want, want to make sure that we kind of finish on a positive note. And okay. you've, you've got coming up in in the week ahead, the the Wood Memorial uh, at the head of the show. We heard the information that that uh, last year's two-year-old champion Hanson won't be in there, and because no. of that, Karen McLaughlin decided to bring Alpha back. Uh, I'm sure you saw gemologist race uh down in Florida against yeah. currency swap. Uh what what'd you read on the wood? It looks like an interesting field now. Uh, yeah, it's gonna
3: be interesting and, and I, I kinda wonder, uh I, I gotta admit I'm not the biggest of Hansen fans. Uh you know, I did vote for him as two year old champion. Uh but I certainly looked at him as a horse who's a mile and a sixteenth mile and eighth tops type horse. And I, I kinda wonder if a lot a little bit of the Hansen move has something to do with the way gemologists looked that he ran on the front end against a pretty good sprinter in currency swap, and certainly, as much as they say that, well, Hanson was able was rateable last time. Well, a large part of that had to do from breaking from post 13. They kind of get a feeling they didn't want to go head and head with uh, Gemologist in the Wood Memorial, and then try to come back for the Kentucky Derby. uh... So, with Hanson out of the way, Gemologist certainly is going to be out front. They'll be interested to see who runs with him. Alpha coming in is a is a nice plus. Alpha though is a is a closer. Uh certainly gemologists will be out front and they'll see what happens with him. uh My Donis has been second who has been right behind Hanson the last couple of times He's also in that race, and certainly he's a horse who uh you know if uh the top two get a little too preoccupied with each other, he can kind of catch him in the stretch so the uh there's some other horses that are, that are they're talking about bringing in that I think it's going to make it a very good and uh competitive race uh that will really give us a little bit of a, of an indication where some of these horses stand. Uh, a week after we find out uh, more about Union Rags in the uh, Florida Derby.
1: A- absolutely, I know that that looks like uh, not too many people want to want to go head to head with him either. I think that's going to be a short uh, seven horse field. I know that Dale Romans has already committed that Doolahan, who was second in the Tampa Bay Derby pretty much all along, he was pointing towards the Bluegrass where he had success as a two year old. So, you know, Hanson's gonna have some company, but it's gonna, gonna be a really exciting uh, derby trail coming up. But uh listen, I, I want to thank you so much for your insights in, into, into what's going on uh, in in the Big Apple. Hey, uh now I know you've got a Twitter account. Uh, tell tell our listeners where, where they can find out more about Bob E. Hall and his writing.
3: Well you can just really go to uh on Twitter, Bob uh just Bob E Hall that Twitter. And, uh, certainly, as I say, I do, right? You can check me out on, uh, ESPNNewYork.com, the, uh, NCRA.com, and also Thoroughbred Times. You'll see I do the ragazam stories for them and a couple of other features. Uh, so, uh, I try to keep busy, uh, I try to keep busy here. So there's the, the numerous avenues if they'd like to, uh, you know, uh, check out what, exactly what I'm doing.
1: Well, Bob, thanks a lot for your, uh, your time tonight. We really appreciate you being on Winning Ponies. John, it's a pleasure to be with you. Okay, well, coming up next, a very interesting handicapper, horse owner, comedian Mark Klein will be with us. So don't go away. You're listening to winningponies.com. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice of
0: America Sports.
2: Kevin Lewis has been a student
0: of the game his entire life, from little league to the NFL. Tune in Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on Voice America Sports. Hustling with K. Lewis. It's not where you start, it's how you finish.
2: Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports.
1: call a friend of mine. Uh, I'll tell you how I met Mark Klein years ago. Uh, I was listening to the morning radio show, and he was on with the morning DJ, and he, he he had been featured, I believe, on 60 Minutes, he'll correct me, but it was kind of the life of a traveling comedian, and he was in town in Cincinnati to do a show, and uh, the uh, morning disc jockey said, well, what what does a comedian do when he's in a city... You know, all day. How do you keep yourself occupied? He goes, well today, I'll be at River Downs. So, of course, when I heard that, I had Mark paged, uh, I'm sure he didn't know why, he have a lost child or something, and uh, got to meet Mark, I brought him upstairs with my uh, good friend Kevin Gomer, and we had a great time in the press box, and I've considered him a friend uh, ever since then. So, with our connection solidified. I have had the chance to handicap and spend afternoons uh, playing the ponies with Mark Klein, and he's with us right now from Louisville, Kentucky, ladies and gentlemen, the man who shows racing's funny side, Mark Klein.
4: John, good afternoon, evening, wherever you are. That's where I am. I'm from Kentucky, of course, where we make bourbon, baseball bats, horses, cigarettes, and fried chicken. If it kills you, we make it. That's our state (laughs) motto.
1: I love it. Well, Mark, uh Introduce yourself to to our uh, listeners as far as uh, your entrance into racing. Obviously, the words Louisville, Kentucky, pretty much say it all.
4: Well, sure. You grow up in Louisville, and if you don't own a horse, you know somebody that does. And I've been a racing fan, of course, since I was a teenager. Um, I'm a stand-up comedian for a living, so I can plan my schedule pretty much around the country as I wish. And oddly enough, I go near racetracks in the south in the wintertime and come back up to the Midwest and North in the in the uh, summertime. So, gosh, go figure that out. <laughs> but uh, I've, I've, been, I've come to ra- I came to racing as a fan of the sport and as a, uh, a gambler, someone who liked to go bet some money. And I'm in the sport now as a part-time uh, thoroughbred owner, and I specialize in horses that are the federal. Equine Witness Protection Program. These are horses that can never have their picture taken. So that's that's the kind that we own. <laughs>
1: uh, I love it. Mark, tell me what one time I remember you were uh share this story. You were playing a comedy club, I believe in Louisville, it might have even been Derby Week, and you looked out there and I think you saw Robbie Alvarado and Calvin yep. Burrell. You cry, you tell that story.
4: I'm um, I'm doing the the Comedy Club in Louisville, Kentucky, and it is uh Derby Week. And in the audience, uh, DeSormo's out there, uh, Calvin's there with Robbie and uh, a couple, couple jockeys are in the room. And it was a two-tiered club and, uh, Robbie Alvarado was sitting, uh, in a certain seat and I said, they're going to make him get out of that seat because it's on the rail and that's where Calvin usually sits.
1: <laughs> I loved it. I'm sure that, I'm sure that they did too. Now, um obviously you, you, you developed a, a, a pension for, 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 for the game. Uh, what, uh, is that the reason why all of a sudden, because I've seen you do a one-man show where you can do a whole show strictly on thoroughbred racing comedy.
4: There is so much to the horse business, top to bottom, that, that is comedy potential whether it's the intimidation of watching stallions breed or uh, when you're at the track and, and you, you miss a photo finish for a trifecta by a nose and you just hear God laughing at you. I mean, there's just so many ways to, to turn racing into comedy. The difficulty is when you get in more esoteric information in your comedy routine about horse racing, you start to leave people behind. So you have to be careful that the information you disseminate in your comedy show is, is generally accessible to the public and
1: not just funny to horse people. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Have you updated the one part of your act where you explain to people how they name horses?
4: Uh, yes, I have. Absolutely, I have. Uh, we, In fact, I'll tell our, our audience, we're just uh, trying to buy a yearling now. This horse is uh, by a stallion named Prickly Ruler. Out of a mare named Bad Hair Day, we're going to name it Donald Trump.
1: <laughs> you have updated it. Very good, Mark. I love it. I absolutely love it. Well, like I said, I, I know that they, as, you, as you travel around, uh, you, you're able to kind of sometimes uh, adjust your, uh, your your schedule to, to, to cities that have racetracks. Uh, what, what what's some of the more unique tracks you've seen in your travels?
4: Oh uh, gosh, I've been Tampa Bay Downs and River Downs are my two favorite uh, tracks away from Churchill Downs, which is of course my home track. I was uh, fortunate enough to speak at the Canadian Derby luncheon for the uh, Canadian Derby several years ago up at Northlands Racetrack and Casino up in. Um, uh, edmonton alberta that was an interesting experience because uh you know that that's a track that they scrape the dirt off and put gravel down for harness racing and they swap that out six months every year so that was just absolutely amazing uh i do cruise ship work a lot too and i got to go to um, buenos aires argentina on my last ship for crystal cruise lines and i went to uh the racetrack in uh in uh, buenos aires the hippodromo and uh, you, I'm a pretty fair handicapper, but uh, my problem down there was it's the North American shippers that couldn't handle the Coriolis effect. They thought they were running the wrong way around the track, so <laughs> that was always interesting.
1: <laughs> All right, Mark, well, as uh, our listeners may or may not know, uh, over the years, uh, when I hosted the Regular Guy Television Show, you you were a, a regular guest of mine, and so uh, you, you do more than tell jokes about the horses. You do uh, you you do handicap and you do bet them. So uh, I'm going to start out with one of our uh, three-year-old preps in the weekend, the richest one at $800,000 at Sunland Park. Uh, And I'll tell you what – this really uh, drew together an interesting field of horses that you thought would probably never end up in the same starting gate, and it made for some interesting handicap. Uh, uh, who who kind of came to the top for you in, 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 at Sunland Park in the Sunland Derby, a grade three race that will be run on Sunday? Now, there's five stakes winners in here and two graded stakes winners.
4: Uh, the horse jumped out at me, uh, was Daddy Knows Best. This is the son of Scat Daddy, uh, out of the Thunder Gulch Mayor Foglier Bliss, and, uh, and he's got Leporeau on him, trained by Steve Asmussen, so the connections are as rock solid as they get. Uh, he's my top pick in this race, uh, for one reason. If you go back in his line, you'll see he last, he raced December 31st, New Year's Eve at Santa Anita, in a minor stakes race, and he turns in a 75, uh, Bayer number. His next start is in February at Golden Gate, and he hits a 93. So th- this is a horse that, as a three-year-old, is just a different, completely different animal than he was at two. And that's what you look for in a three-year-old, is someone who really has grown up over the wintertime and, and developed into a whole new phase of racing experience. You add that in, this is a second start after a layoff, which is how he won at Churchill Downs, also under Bureau back in November. This is his second start at a layoff in a, a colder weather situation uh, in the wintertime. So that's what I like about him. He's my, he's my top pick. If he runs anywhere near that 93 uh, this weekend, I think he, I think he's a winner. Well, I I, you know,
1: I, you must have your Skype camera on looking at my daily racing form. Almost everything you said I have highlighted in red. Uh, except for the fact that, quite frankly, Daddy's Knows Best at one point in time, they must have thought uh, that he was a grass horse because he did, you know, a lot of his early running on the grass, and, uh, uh, and he – Ran third in the grade three soccer race, but he does, and then he ran in in the Breeders' Cup turf, which we know is is a very rich race. So he's got graded earnings. The the El Camino was a graded uh, race at Golden Gate. I did watch that race, and he really had nowhere to go uh, turning for home. And put in a huge race, uh, you know, it with Lay Peru, and I'm scratching my head, going, "Hey, Lay Peru, you got the mount on Union Rags, you know? <laughs> I mean, so anyhow, but you never know. As you know, you've seen several of them fall off the shelf this year. So, uh, Daddy knows best. I really think that, uh, particularly if if Castaway and Ender Knievel, uh, the two horses, uh, get into a little bit of a speed duel, they're both on the rail. They both always exhibited uh, early foot." It could really set it up for him, and this race at a mile and an eighth, uh, he's the only three-year-old that's won at the distance. Yep, he's got a distance win,
4: uh, for this race, and I think they're there to get, I don't think this is a derby prep for him, I think they're there to get 60%
1: of $800,000, and uh, and why not? Well, you know, once again, I'm going. To, I would put those. Uh, there's three horses of interest to me: Castaway, Ender, Knievel, and and Stirred Up. It's kind of interesting. I don't think John Velasquez or Rafael Barano show up at Sunland Park on a regular basis, or or Martín García. And all three of those guys are sitting on the one, two, three horses in here. Uh, you got Bob Baffert have has both Castaway and Stirred Up and uh, Todd Pletcher with Ender Knievel. I think it, at this point in time with 800000 it's the hunt for graded earnings to get into the Derby.
4: No doubt about it, but they, there's, a, there's also a horse in this race. So this is a pure home game for him, and that's, isn't he clever? Yeah, horse for a course. I got that written down. Yeah, he pops a 97 rating, and that's uh, December. Not too tra- he, he can duplicate that, and he's in the money. So he's, he's in my exotics with Castaway and, of course, uh,
1: Daddy Knows Best. Well, he's the son of Smarty Jones, so we know he can probably get the Derby distance. I'll tell you what, talking about distance, we've got two races at a mile and a half. Uh, I hope you're ready for this one. Yep. It's the Tokyo City Cup, a uh, grade three that's going to be run at Santa Anita. And I'll be honest, of, of the four races that we're capping tonight, this is the one that left me scratching my head the most. This is my favorite race of that of the
4: ones you sent me. This is the one, if I had $100, I'd keep 5 bucks out for beer and 95 on a horse named Dahmer.
1: Oh, I want to hear this. Rafael Barano and Mike Mitchell.
4: Yep. Irish-bred five-year-old gelding. Uh, Talk to Mark Kramer about five-year-old geldings popping up anytime, anywhere to win for you. This horse has been running over in Europe, and if you look at his PP's from uh, the, the Racing Post ratings off there, He's been toting 130 pounds around his last race. He had 135 pounds on him. He got <laughs> in with 118 at a mile and a half in America and first-time Lasix.
1: How can you not bet that? Well, you know, again, over there, I can't help but look at earnings. And he's won $41,000. He's in here against an old veteran that I know is probably put together with Elmer's glue and rubber bands. El Belder, of course. Who's won, who's won 756000 But what I love about Dahmer, the Irish bred, is, is Mike Mitchell okay? If you look at his statistics, when he, he, when he has a horse first time out, the horse wins 32 percent of the time. When he runs a horse off a layoff, he wins 32 percent of yep. the time. And when he switches a horse from turf to dirt, he wins 35 percent of the time. That's huge.
4: He's getting all that with Dahmer, and he gets a five-year-old, so this horse has already seen a lot of travel, a lot of action. There's going to be no surprises. He's not going to come around that turn and go, oh, my gosh, what am I doing here? I, I, plus, he's been working out with X-lax regularity. You look at his workout line, and it's just every, you know, the, the, the regular, regular, regular. head didn't skip a beat.
1: Well, uh I, I, again you know Eldefur kind of interesting I mean the Sorce won the Breeders Cup Marathon but that was back in 2010 but I thought its a return race uh, was was pretty solid there at uh, Turf Paradise um, was sent out the favorite that day, didn't get the job done, but, uh, it would be interesting, and I was root for, for an older horse. Plus, you know, at a mile and a half, uh, this horse has two wins and three thirds. I think a horse that deserves some attention, and again, when I handicap, and right now I have no idea what the odds are, uh, is Skip Shot, uh, who with Kaluda, those two look like to be the only two that are going to go out and have some fun on the front end. Well, and, Kaluta
4: uh, Skip yeah, Shot is yeah, uh, train a trainee.
1: A Beluda should set up Dahmer like a blind date. I mean, he's pure speed
4: on the front end. Uh, and I've got Skipshot as my show pick, too. It's odd that we're both leaving out twice the appeal with Gomez on him uh, for Jeff Bondi.
1: Yeah, it is. And, and as I uh, spoke earlier in the show, by the way, Garrett is back in the saddle. He rode a second and third at Santa Anita today, so I'm happy to hear that. And obviously, you know, he's coming out of a grade one race, uh, but has never tried the mile and a half, you know. Okay. Of course, uh, neither has Skipshot. I'm just thinking. Skip shot, you could possibly get loose on the lead if uh, Kaluda doesn't uh, doesn't burn him up on the front end. Uh, so, my money's on Dahmer.
4: Well, I like everything that's my, about that's him, that's and my probably,
1: story, and I and I'm sticking to it, Mark. Uh, so, but you'll probably
4: uh, love, probably love the price on him too, because uh, you know twice the appeal going to catch the money. Skip shot will too if we get second or third favorite on Dahmer, I'd be thrilled with it.
1: Well, of course, uh, anybody that listens to the show knows that, that Rafael Beirano may be my favorite uh, modern-time uh, jockey. You know, the guy is, is just fantastic. Of course, he I got to know him personally when he rode at River Downs during his first season in the United States. He's a real gentleman, a class act, and he can ride. So it'll be very, very interesting. Uh, to, to, to watch this race, you don't get to see a mile and a half very often, and, and that'll be at Santa Anita on Saturday in the Tokyo City. Well, on WinningPonies.com, we're going to take a brief break, and then we're going to be back here with Mark Klein, and believe it or not, we're going to break down another mile and a half race, the Pan American from Gulfstream Park. You're listening to WinningPonies.com.
2: Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com. The home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you.
0: The opening kickoff is
2: a beauty. There's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's got it With 2.8 seconds left. to I don't care where they put him.
1: Klein. Hey, Mark, you know, I never know. Sometimes we get talking, and I get up against the the, the hard break at the end of the show, and I don't get a chance to tell people where they can see you. you, Well, what's your upcoming schedule? What cities you're going to? Where can people uh, see you in person? You name a town you don't want to go to, and I'm performing there.
4: Uh, (laughs) My schedule's got things on it. Let's see. I've got uh, Fort Mill, South Carolina, Lake Norman, North Carolina, Appleton, Wisconsin. These are all in April. Uh, May's got me in Topeka, Kansas. Uh, It's got me in Bernardino, New Mexico. June has me in Charleston, West Virginia, Crackers uh, Nightclub in Indianapolis. July's got me in Hilton Head, South Carolina, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and the Bahamas in August. Uh, I work country clubs. I work corporate events. I do moose, elk, and eagle lodges. If your building has an animal on it, I'm your man.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I'm sure we've got listeners in all of those places, Mark. And, and you can. Get me a- uh, again, this, this show's on podcast, so if Mark went too fast for you, you can go back and listen to it and uh, see if the Moose Lodge in your uh, district is uh, going to be hosting Mark Klein. And Mark, and you can also email uh, on your
4: computer at corpjester.com. I'll have to spell that
1: for you, but go to my website. My show's
4: on there. It is C O R P, as in Paul, J E S T E R. And uh, there's a whole horse racing section at my website, which you'll enjoy, too.
1: Absolutely. Like I said, you're the one guy that's a little bit on the funny side. All right. Well, listen, once again, it's uh, really rare in this day and age with the horses being bred for speed that you get to handicap or watch races in a mile and a half. Usually the only race... uh, the general public sees it a mile and a half is the Belmont Stakes, but we're going to get to go down to Gulfstream Park on Saturday to the Pan American, a race that has a lot of history behind it. This one's a grade two, and uh, it, it didn't uh, bring together a big field, but uh, nonetheless, there's some interesting horses in here, and there's nothing wrong with betting an exacta.
4: There are indeed. Uh, my top pick in here is the Belmont trained Herod's Creek. Uh, really? Was, off the
1: layoff,
4: huh? Yep. Uh, he runs well off the layoff. You'll, you, again, go to those PPs, and he's got two wins off a layoff, and the race he didn't win off a layoff was the Kentucky Downs and the Kentucky Turf Cup, which is a completely different animal from anything else he runs on, so just draw a line through that. This horse loves a layoff, and uh, he's five years old, so uh, Mott's got an older horse that he's doing very well with. He's put a buck $170,000 out of 16 starts, He's lightly, you know, it's his first uh, race in 90 days, he's got a ton of bottom under him from 2011 and 10 without having too many races in him, uh, which I really like. Plus, you look at his form, this horse can either win on the front end, he can stay close, or he can he can close from deep. And uh, he's got the versatility, that no matter what happens to him in a mile and a half, he can either make up for
1: it or lead him around. Well, I think he might have a little, little company on the front end with center divider, who's coming out of the uh, Damarda? if I'm pr- pronouncing that right. And the two picks I like are coming out of there, and so for once we didn't find the same horse, Mark. Um, I'm going to give the other Mott horse the edge, and that's Newsdad, who just missed by a nose to Samard, who is in this race. Now, Samard won the McDamara up, It was a big win. It was off the layoff. He's won a half a million dollars. Seven-year-old horse. Uh, Newsdad just turned four. But I think that was a huge race by him, and he was taken off the pace in his last race. He's got Julian Leperu, who's pretty much in his zone right now. Peru's coming back to ride in the Pan-American. And- I know, John, I know you love this
4: guy. Look, I once been on jockey Ruben Hernandez, because I once bought a Ruben sandwich from a man named Hernandez. Okay, <laughs> I mean, how much can you... Everyone at the park going to be boxing Newsdad and Simard together, which will give you a good price on Harrods Creek. And I like Center Divider as part
1: of that exacted too. Well, again, I, I see that the slightest edge, and maybe I'm wrong, with Newsdad over Simard is that there's going to be a – they, they, they were a nose apart in their last race. I love Le Peru, And there's a five-pound shift in weight. And certainly a five-pound shift in weight going at distance. Normally, weight I don't care too much about. But, uh, you know, in a mile and a half, let me give you a bowling ball, and you and me will walk around the racetrack, and let's see who feels a little bit better when we hit the finish line. John, I've seen without a shirt on. You don't have to get, take the bowling ball. I trust you <laughs> on that. <laughs> All right. All right, listen, we got enough time to get back into another uh, three-year-old prep. Uh, this one was the, was the one that they were hoping Hanson would be in. It's the Vinery Racing Spiral at Turfway. Um, ha- only half the field is nominated the Triple Crown. Uh, There's one graded stakes horse, um, and uh, it's kind of a, I guess I could say, interesting group, but it it seems like horses that know that a win in here will punch their ticket uh, to to the Derby. Uh, Who came to the top for you? A horse that's not Triple Crown nominated.
4: My top pick is Ill Conceived. John Service trains this horse. He's got his favorite Jockey Elliott on him uh, for this second his last time out, set a lifetime high uh, on his speed figure, and he did that at Turfoy Park at a mile and a 16th in the Bataglia, and he's shooting for him again. Um, I I agree with you. I didn't see anything in this field that that would keep me from taking my $20,000 claimer over there if I could afford the gas from Louisville to Florence. I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah, so, so I'm, I'm going to, again, go for a price in this race. The horse I like in the second position is, uh, is nominated. Uh, Graham Motion brings Went the Day Well. Uh, same pattern he used last year in Animal Kingdom, brings him over from Europe, uh, where he did, you know, fair enough. He was toting again. He's carried these weights before. He was toting 129 around the track with him over in Europe, and he comes here with a shot at uh, at, at doing what they did last year. Plus, it's going to be cold and rainy, or cool and rainy. It's, it's uh, 89 degrees in, in Kentucky right now. This weekend, though, it's going to be uh, rainy and about 65 degrees. So a horse has been running. A little cooler climbs
1: and doing well is appealing to me and that suits went the day
4: well just fine
1: all right, well, we're pretty much up against the end of the show. I'm going to go to the outside. Handsome Mike's going to be my pick because he's faced the toughest competition. He's going to need his speed, which he has natural speed, uh, from the outside post. Joel Rosario is coming in to ride for Doug O'Neill. This horse has the best last race buyer. Uh, as a matter of fact, he just finished third behind Daddy's Knows Best, the horse we liked earlier in the show. Well, that pretty much rounds it out for this edition of WinningPonies.com. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank uh, both Bob E. Halt, and Mark Klein. Mark, you're a gentleman, but not a scholar, but a great comedian. It is a privilege,
4: pleasure, and honor and thrill to walk with you
1: in the paddock at River Downs as a living man. (laughs) All right, ladies and gentlemen, those are the words of the one, the only, Mark Klein. Well, from high atop the grandstand overlooking the turf course past the Ohio River to the hills of Kentucky, I'm John Englehart. Remember... Bet with your head, not over it. And if you go to the racetrack with your girlfriend, remember to practice
2: safe bets. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Network.